0: Welcome back to
2: the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to wrap up our conversation about the strategies and techniques behind building your ideal customer database. Joining us is Jordan Crawford, who is the founder at Scout, which helps companies acquire customers with postcards. Scout excels at helping customers deploy a full postcard marketing strategy from list to personalized designs to measurement strategies like IP address to address matching, even personalized cards that can include things like a unique direction to a physical address. Today, Jordan and I are going to discuss his advice for how we can identify customers' pain and try to reach more people with the MarTech podcast. Okay, here is the rest of my conversation with Jordan Crawford, founder at Scout. Jordan, welcome back to the MarTech podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
2: I hope you're ready to do some free consulting because really (laughs) that's what I'm pushing you into here.
1: You've convinced me or you put a microphone and for some reason, the payment goes away. So it's a good idea. It's our truth serum. So I'm pretty (laughs) excited.
2: Kidding aside, we've talked offline a couple of times in the last week and you've given me some great advice on how to think about building community and cultivating some other monetization vehicles. And it was too good of a conversation not to record for the podcast. So look, we framed your interview to be about building your customer database And the thesis here is that you shouldn't be looking for people that fit a demographic profile or a psychographic profile. You should be thinking about solving for a customer's pain. So let's talk a little bit about what we're doing at the Martech podcast. And I'd love to pick your brain about how we can continue to grow and monetize the podcast. So, just to set the stage, We've been marketing the Martech podcast. We've been producing content. We've been getting some organic reach. A lot of what we've been doing is performance marketing related to try to drive people to our podcast. We've been advertising through dynamic insertion and programmatic advertising to get from zero to roughly 60,000 downloads a month. And it's great, but it's expensive to try to buy those users. And then on the flip side, in monetization, We've done a really nice job of cultivating a very valuable sponsorship program. And so we're reaching out primarily to B2B SaaS companies who want to reach marketers. But now that we're in the middle of the coronavirus, we're starting to see people pulling back on their performance marketing spend and their paid media. And let's put our sponsorship program into there. So I'm sitting around with my team saying, "Okay, like sponsorships are, you know, not drying up, but it's not as many as we would have wanted to have. How do we find another way to both attract people to listen to our content, build a community around it, and monetize that product, whatever it may be? What do I do, Jordan?
1: Well, thanks for giving me a really broad question here. Ready? Go. <laughs> Go, yeah. The first thing I would say is that one of the things that I'm just going to talk about something I'm doing for another client, say Primer.com, they allow you to do targeted ads on Facebook like by your ideal customer list. But one thing that I did for them is, we actually went to the Facebook ad library and the LinkedIn company page, and we looked at the ads that their, people are running now. And what we did is we looked at the comment date, the first comment date, so that way we were able to determine who is still running ads right now. I don't want to be insensitive and reach out to folks that maybe a month ago were running ads and because they've been impacted by this thing, they've had to shut that off. I only want to work with folks that are actually maybe even doing better now because CPCs or CPMs have dropped. So... The first thing I think about in these days is like, how do you filter out a list of companies that is still spending on marketing and maybe actually needs help because they've had an influx of customers. A good example of this is SkillJar. If you go to BuiltWith and look at SkillJar's web traffic, it's gone off the roof. They're an online learning platform, right? So these are guys now that have more interest than they can handle and they definitely want to like get out in the world. So that's the first thing I would do and is filter companies that are still spending... So that goes
2: into how do we continue to work with our existing model? How do we find our company list, go through the B2B SaaS companies and try to figure out if they're still marketing?
1: Yeah, the other thing is like let me ask this question like how do you think about sponsorship? What type of company sponsor, what type of companies do you want to sponsor? What's their incentive?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that people that are interested in reaching marketers and have something to say about the marketing industry are our ideal customers. Most of them end up being enterprise grade B2B SaaS companies. And we get some SMBs and some growth stage companies as well. But for the most part, it is companies that are trying to get marketers to engage with their SaaS products or their services. What we've been doing to find them is honestly looking at all of the events, people that are sponsoring events and saying, look, if you're sponsoring an event, sponsoring a podcast doesn't feel super far away from an understanding of the medium. And so we've been reaching out to event sponsors with, originally it was, if you're sponsoring this event, you'd probably like our podcast. And now our creative has turned more to, hey, the event you were going to sponsor was canceled. So you should reallocate that budget over here.
1: What about looking at other marketing podcasts and recording the people that sponsor your competitors, basically?
2: Yeah, it's actually another thing that we've thought about is going through our data platform pod sites and look at who is sponsoring other podcasts. That's definitely another channel that we've said we were going to do. And instead, we focused on reaching out to people that had their events canceled. But eventually, we will get down to that.
1: I think I would look at that because you don't have to convince people of the medium there. And then I might think about adjacent areas of sponsorship. So like, I would go subscribe to a bunch of popular marketing, like marketingexamples.com, subscribe there to sponsors their newsletter, and then reach out and say, Hey, I noticed that you sponsored the recent marketingexamples.com newsletter. I loved this content, thought what you're doing is really interesting. Do you want to give this thing a shot?
2: Marketingexamples.com. Jordan, how is it possible that every time I talk to you, I come up with another one of these tools that is just
1: fantastic? Yeah, I don't know. I, just, I spend too much time not doing work and on the internet. Maybe that's why. You need a hobby or a significant <laughs> other true.
2: or, I don't know, some sleep, man. Yeah. Great tip, marketingexamples.com. We're definitely going to include that in the show notes. So let's turn the page a little bit. There's ways that we can continue to run our existing playbook, right? We're doing a lot of performance marketing to try to drive people into our funnel to listen to our podcasts, and we're also looking for sponsors. We also want to continue to grow, drive more organic growth, and build in more utility for the people that are actually listening to the podcast we've kicked around the idea of communities and forums and white papers and courses and all these other ways to try to you know build value and hopefully monetize as well talk to me about your advice for thinking about driving organic growth and thinking about leveraging that to monetize the assets we have
1: i think there are two frameworks here that i like to use the first is i think about my bets in dollar sizes Basically, there are $1 bets, there are $5 bets, and there are $100 bets. So if I'm going to make a $100 bet, the idea is that I can benefit gigantically, but it takes a lot of effort to do. A good example of this is when we were chatting offline. If you were going to build profile pages for people that include their Twitter, their Facebook, and their public post, that's probably a $100 bet. It's going to take you a lot of time and effort to do that, but the payoff is probably high, right? If you're making a dollar or $5 bet, these are smaller incremental tweaks around the edges. So that's first how I think about my sort of growth framework here. And in the case of like cold outbound, you may make a $100 bet with a cold outbound email because you spend all this time enriching those emails. You spend weeks and weeks and weeks doing that. But the reply rate is just so much better when they're great. The other thing that I've been really obsessed with, and I had great success with TriPico, is what are called growth loops. Basically, it's product-led growth. You can check out West Bush has a great Slack community here. But how this works is you want to basically get growth on top of your existing customers. So what that looks like, if you go to the Colorado Sun, for example, for TriPico, what we did is they have the little widget that's in a big circle in the bottom right corner. If you click on that, what it used to say is click here for the terms and conditions. And that had like a 10th of a percent click-through rate. And their customers get tons of traffic, millions and millions of hits a month. We just changed that language. We just changed that language to say, blah, 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 as part of the Pico community, you know, click here to learn more. And it's now like their best marketing channel. And all we did was change a small tweak. So what I would do is I would think about the assets you have and the reach that you have and how you can make it as easy as possible for your listeners to either share or to basically get a new customer from your existing listeners.
2: So what you're talking about is two things. One, I'd say virality, right? What can you add to your existing infrastructure to try to make your content more shareable? Probably could put some Twitter links and some you know LinkedIn post links on our pages and have a pop-up that says, are you enjoying this article? Would you mind sharing it with your community, right? Little stuff like that, a $1 bet. We've also talked about trying to build in hooks to gather email addresses to start putting people into a community. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Talk to me about how you think about community building and eventually, how do you think about monetization?
1: Well, the first thing I'll say is I don't really think a growth loop is necessarily about virality. It's really about making it really, really easier for, in Pico's case, for example, their customer's customer to know about you. So for Scout, for example, our growth loop was to be able to put these unsubscribes on postcards. So now my customers' customers are seeing information about Scout on their postcard right so otherwise they would have had no idea who sent this postcard and who it was for so just a little tweak on that thinking there and in terms of community the thing that i love about community and you know i'm an advisor at commsore and they basically built nathan latka's community and they see a 9% conversion rate from joining the community to converting as a customer which is just insane and i think that the key value here in a community is really these second order effects That instead of dripping people with email or writing them as a sales outreach, it's like, hey, come experience what my customers already know to be true and network with them, learn from them. And then it creates this beautiful buying atmosphere where you don't feel sold to. So you feel much more comfortable to then make a transaction.
2: That 9% number sticks out to me because it's some tangible data about, all right, here's how many of your listeners you can actually get to monetize and then figure out what the value is. You're essentially saying if you could start collecting some user data and get access to be able to correspond with your listeners, a challenge for most people that are in podcasting, right? We have the ability to retarget people based on their mobile app IDs. We don't actually get a lot of email addresses. So we're not getting a ton of web traffic unless we're paying to drive net new listeners or net new people to the website because the podcast subscribers are already listening to the content you're saying build in some loops, give some extra value, try to get people to the website. Thoughts on what content makes sense?
1: I might even start with just a survey. Hey, tell us what you want to hear. Who's the best marketer that you know that we should chat with? If we feature them, we'll throw a shout out to you. I would probably try to get to learn a little bit more about my audience and capture their information and to do it in a way that provides value to them. So I think that that's the key piece to keep in mind here. One of the things that I did on LinkedIn that had a pretty decent conversion rate is I posted publicly, I tagged my ideal leads and I said, hey, Bob, we're doing a survey here for solar, wanted to get your thoughts about what best marketing channels are working right now for solar. And it was kind of a glorified lead form. Now, I did ask a bunch of information from them about, hey, what's working? I'll share with you the results. And we did that too. But I got a bunch of really great information on the people that were running solar so I could validate our approach to the market.
2: So, here's what we've done so far to open up the curtain. First thing, you know, our goals are to create organic growth. All right. We're looking for a way to move away from a performance marketing model when we can. And look, we get some virality and we get some organic growth and we get some people to our website through SEO, but we really need to improve a lot of it is our linking structure. So, what we're doing is we're creating pages for our guest speakers and we're going to share those pages saying hey we're creating a page that is a profile page for you that links to your episode page and we're going to call you a council member we want your advice you know a are you okay with us publishing this page and b what would you want from a martech community what does being a council member mean to you do you want access to communicate with the other members of the 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 community Do you want courses, webinars? What can we provide you that's going to make this valuable? And if we can start with the people that are our guests and get them on board with whatever we call the MarTech Council, even if it's just social credibility, hey, is this page and this link and being able to say you're part of the MarTech Council interesting to you? If it is, we start building a community and then hopefully we can branch out and give access to that community to people that have not been guests on the show.
1: I think that makes a ton of sense. And this is indeed a growth loop that you're thinking about. The way that this would work is you get the people that have been existing guests that you have done a great thing for, right? Being able to help them reach new folks and share their ideas and they'll feel flattered when they talk about all their great ideas. And so being a guest on a podcast creates a good sense of kindness, right? Like, oh, wow, he's done a lot for me. So one of the things I might suggest is like, what's the incentive for them to then share something? And that might be like, I know that I was listening to a podcast about Lime and I forget what it was called. But basically, if you became a subscriber on Patreon or whatever, you got early access to the episodes. So that might be an additional hook for your listeners is saying, hey, we've got three or four episodes that are ready to go about X, Y, and Z. If you're a member of the Slack community, we post them there ahead of time. So you don't have to wait for the next episode. And then what you can do is for existing guests, I would say like, what's the hook to get them to share or reshare a podcast that they have been interviewed on, right? And to capture some information in that share. So, hey, Jordan's now been on three episodes here. You should make it as easy as possible. Hey, Jordan, here's automatic text that we've generated for you to post on LinkedIn. As you capture people, we'll provide X or Y benefit to you. If people click through your link, they'll get early access right away to the episode. So I think providing some incentive for me to share it, not just before the podcast launches, but ongoing, I think there's a huge potential there.
2: Let's talk about the entrepreneur's dilemma there's a million things to do here. We're creating pages for speakers, and we're trying to get SEO value out of that. We want to build a community. We want to invite people that haven't been speakers to be part of the community. We want to figure out a way to monetize that. That means that we're building a forum and monitoring, and oh my God, we're doing all of this stuff, and it's just so overwhelming. How do you deal with the myriad of possibilities? Me and my team are sitting here saying, We have two months that we're working on this project before hopefully the world gets back to normal. It feels like a two-year project. What advice do you have?
1: I think the way that I have solved this in the past is to whittle down to the smallest possible thing that can have the biggest possible return. You know, in some ways, they call this a minimum remarkable product. And I should say a direct return. So for example, let's talk about your SEO pages, right? There seems to be a lot of work here and the benefit is unclear at this stage. You don't know what the turnout will be here. So I might think, okay, for every person that you interview, you're already interviewing them, I would say, Hey, Jordan, can I just manually create a share link for you? And if people click through and provide their email, I'll email them the raw show before it comes out. Like, would that be helpful? Or something that's just extra, extra small. And all you got to do is put like a UTM parameter link behind it and measure it. So I think that there are always too many good ideas. And with all the companies that I'm a advisor for, their biggest problem is that they're doing too much. They want to invest in four different marketing channels. They want to build 12 different things. And I would say, what's the smallest possible thing that you can do to validate a test that has the highest likelihood? of a return. And in your case, I think SEO pages, it doesn't sound like that's the thing. I think it'd be better to find some experiment where you can get me or existing guests to share something about their experience and be able to give the folks that follow them some benefit for signing up or doing something like that.
2: Todd, we're doing too much. Stop doing what you're doing. All right, Jordan, we're taking the rest of the day off. We're going to stop all work and and that's going to monetize. I love the advice.
1: I put everything in a Notion doc and every week I write down all the things that I'm doing for this week. And it turns out that either if I'm assigning work to folks or just looking at my goals, I find that the checkboxes that I end up checking at the end of the week are 50 to 40% of all the checkboxes I wanted to check. So finding balance is the hardest piece. But I think the dollar, $5 and $100 bets are a good framework to use. And you just have to measure things. Otherwise, you'll get too into your own idea and you won't be sure if it has the kind of return that you're looking for.
2: Too distracted by looking at what Notion is, realizing that it is something kind of like basically Airtable and Asana in one.
1: Oh my gosh. I worked with Ivan many, many years ago and he's like in 2006 or something, he's like, I'm gonna create a wiki. And I'm like, dude, the world doesn't need another wiki. got a $800 million valuation now. They're written up in Wall Street. And actually, their model is brilliant. They don't charge you anything except by the number of blocks you add. So the pricing model notion is really brilliant because once you've dug such a deep hole in notion, they say, hey, it's just 9 bucks a month. And by that time, you've documented your entire life in the damn thing. And of course, you're going to pay. So it's a beautiful tool. It works on the phone. There's a desktop app. It'll work on web. It's a really nice writing tool. Jordan,
2: every time I talk to you, I feel refreshed. I learned something and yet also feel like there's a million tools that I've never heard of that I should be using. I don't know if we should talk more or talk less, but I appreciate you coming on the podcast.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
2: Okay. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks to Jordan Crawford, founder at Scout for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Jordan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is invent it or fix it, InventItOrFixit, I N V E N T I T O R F I X I T. Or you can visit his company's website, which is SendWithScout, Send S E N D W I T H S C O U T dot com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can sign up for a newsletter. You can even send us your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show.
0: Thanks for listening to the Martech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.